So right here and now, I acknowledge that one life, that one presence that is creating all things eternally. And this source is a source of love, of power, of energy, of wholeness. Hmm. And I know that because there's only this one source, this one thing, this God stuff, that I am made of that just as all beings, all things are made of this God stuff, this love, this power, this energy, this wholeness, this health, this connection. It is what I am. It is what you are. And because this is the true nature of all things and all beings, that God is here right now, sitting in your living room, sitting in your office, driving in a car, shopping in the store, praying, wherever people are, I know God is present. That creative, eternal life is living, breathing, creating itself through all hands, all eyes, all hearts, all minds. And I give great thanks for this truth that I am never alone, I am never separate from spirit, for it is here, right now, always, wherever I go. And I give great thanks for that love that is present, for that connection, for that creation of all good. And so I release this truth gladly and joyfully into that action of the law, that part of spirit that creates and makes it so, knowing it is already done. And together we say, and so it is. This whole month we're looking at, and actually this whole year, we're looking at the idea of timeless wisdom, evolutionary vision of this, this infinite wisdom, this ancient wisdom, and yet how can we let it evolve through us and evolve onto whatever else it needs to become? And, and that we are, we are the steps of that. We are, the, um, we are the people that allow that to evolve through us right now. And so our topic today is called uh, Grounded Beyond the Beginning. And I know when I first got that topic, I was like, what? What am I going to say about that? But um, the universe provides, and so uh, uh, I know what uh, I have some ideas. So yesterday during this retreat, um, 
a person shared a remembrance, their remembrance of the story of the five blind men and the elephant, in which each blind man encounters one aspect of the elephant and believes they now know what an elephant is. And the religions and the political systems of the world can be compared, and oftentimes us, can be compared to the blind men because each religion and each political system is made up of people. And so we are the ones who make that up. So we each have a sense, and these systems each have a sense of some aspect of the whole. The challenge is that they start insisting that their view is the right and only view. When instead, by combining the information that each has, we could get a larger, uh, more holistic, more whole view. You know, for religious science, if this teaching has done anything, it has been to synthesize the common core ideas of the divine from all the spiritual traditions, from all the science, from all the philosophy, into a more whole, more holistic, more expanded view without claiming that its view is the right view, nor that it's the whole and only view. And I really appreciate about that about this teaching. There's room for inclusivity of all points of view and for expanding that view as more becomes known. Why is this important? Why is knowing about this important? Because as we saw just this past week, blind men stuck in their perception of the elephant and that their point of view is the right and only correct point of view can create havoc and threaten to take us into a new dark age of repression, fear, and violence, where things like freedom of religion uh, are rescinded or restricted. And instead of, of being controlled by law and by reason, they're controlled by mob rule. And for this reason, it's extremely important to stay grounded in the highest truth we can know because what we put our attention on is what increases. What we put our attention on increases. We had an interesting discussion yesterday about ideals and about people sticking to their ideals. We all have ideals and we all value our ideals because they're ours. The problem comes when two factors are involved, first, that my ideals are not inclusive and they're exclusive. Ernest Holmes asks us to, to think about our good and, and does our good affirm more of life and harm no one, including ourselves? So if my ideals are not inclusive and they're exclusive, that's a problem. And the second problem is that when I demand that my ideals should be your ideals, and the two primary areas where we see this happen are religion and politics. We see religious groups trying to impose their ideas of the rules on everyone else. So if I'm in a religion that sees homosexuality or abortion as a sin, everyone must see it and we must pass laws in the land that this must not happen, whether or not anyone else agrees with us. And you should share my political views, otherwise you're a fill in the blank, libtard, repugnantin, sheeple, whatever it is. But none of this brings us any closer to each other or to having an expanded view of the infinite oneness or even a united states, which is what we set out as our intention of being. So how do we deal with this? Take a breath, first of all, 
I remember the song and the saying, the peace begins with me. Peace begins with me. And that's a clue for how do we deal with all this. There's a wonderful Ricky Byers song that says, go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. And just as we need to do, if, if we have wandered off course, if we've gotten lost, if we've maybe found ourselves in a patch of brambles and, and, and confusion, we need to extricate ourselves. We need to undo what we, the direction that we've been heading in. We need to back it out and go back to the beginning. Go back to the core. Go back and start again. And the song also, the same song from Ricky, also reminds us, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, this infinite love, this infinite presence, this infinite wisdom, this infinite grace that is greater than any of us and greater than any of our views. And so we ground beyond our own individual beginning. We ground beyond our own ideas and agendas. Back to that divine that is before the beginning. You know, I look to the mystics to guide us, to guide me on that journey. And every mystic that has ever experienced that infinite thing, whatever name you want to give it, they experience it as an expression of love, of joy, of wholeness. I've had this, this moment myself of, of just infinite love. And, and yesterday, as we were talking in the retreat, so many other people have. And it's, it's a love, it's a joy, it's a wholeness without restriction, without condition. It doesn't care who you are or what you've done. It is just love, infinite love. Joel Goldsmith, in his book, The Foundation of Mysticism, says illumination dissolves all material ties and binds people together with the golden chains of spiritual understanding. It acknowledges only the leadership of the Christ. And when he says the Christ, he's not talking about a person. He's talking about a consciousness. The Christ is uh, one of the best descriptions I've ever heard is the communion of the spiritual and the material. We could say of the Buddha mind. We could say of the Tao. We could say of, of the cosmic consciousness. But it's only the leadership of that infinite consciousness. It has no ritual or rule but the divine, impersonal, universal love. The only restraint is the discipline of the soul. Therefore, we know liberty without license. We are a united universe without physical limits, a divine service to God without ceremony or creed. The illumined walk without fear by grace. As we let ourselves go back to that beginning, we catch that light, that love, that, that wisdom, that, mm, that life energy that is the divine. We can get caught up in all the gyrations of the human level, or we can remember with Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said it is only the finite that has wrought, wrought and suffered. The infinite lies in smiling repose. So where do I want to ground my attention? Where do I want to direct my attention? Last week, I referred to our current circumstances in the world as a portal or gateway, as, as something that we are moving through into something greater. And I also reminded us, we're not all the way through it yet. And we got to see that, you know, this past week. Jesus is quoted as saying that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
which that kingdom of heaven, as he reminded us, is also within. And the idea of a rich man in, in his day was somebody who was really attached, attached, clinging to their, to their richness. There's a Aramaic translation of the Bible, the, it's the Peshitta version of the Bible by George Lamsa, which says that the word camel was actually mistranslated and is supposed to be rope, which makes a lot more sense. See, most people write off this metaphor as just Jesus saying, oh, it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But that's not what he's saying. And if you read past that particular passage, that's not what he was saying. But for a rope to go through the eye of a needle, it has to release its identity as a rope and become unwound into single strands, which can then easily pass through the eye of a needle. For us to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must let go of our tightly held identities, our places where we know we're right and everyone else who doesn't agree with us is wrong, and go back to the beginning, go back to that individual strands of consciousness. Go back to remembering that we and everyone else, everyone else, and yes, I mean everyone else, are God in form. This is why Jesus and every other mystic said to love our enemies as well as our neighbors. It lowers the barriers between people if we're loving them instead of fighting with them and hating them. And it enacts the core nature of God, of this infinite presence, which is love. We can't practice real love with a closed, constricted heart. So we must choose what we'll ground in. What are we going to ground in? Are we going to ground in judgment and self-righteousness and divisiveness and all that stuff, all the hot drama and trauma of, of the world? Or are we going to ground in love, compassion, open mind and heartedness? You know, on the surface, grounding in that feels less powerful. It feels vulnerable if we're grounding in love. It feels more protective and more reasonable to be grounded in that righteousness and that justification. But protection is fear-based and it's constrictive. And reasonable tends to be a narrow perspective of an intellect, which, like one of the blind men, can't see the whole perspective. The open heart, the open mind, when we open our hearts and minds, we can see, we can soar above any situation and see it from a higher perspective. We rise up. We rise up. You know, I've been working with, with um, the mystical group. Uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins, who's one of our guides in this process, talks about looking up. You know, lots of mystics have said, look up to the divine, look up, raise our consciousness. And we've been physically practicing that looking up and we've been experiencing major shifts in consciousness from doing that. See, when we can soar above and gain a higher perspective, we're not rigidly attached to any dogma or perspective. We let go of that clinging to and rigidness. And so then we can flow. Being grounded beyond the beginning allows us to come right back to the present moment with fluidity, with power, with wisdom, and with grace. When we can remember who we truly are, when we can remember what we truly set out to do and to be, 
we can bring that back and start to create something fresh and something new that's beyond the narrow perspective of either this or that and move into a consciousness that is inclusive, move into solutions that are inclusive and respectful and compassionate and caring. In other words, we can move into more love. So this week, I want to invite you, instead of thinking of your problems and fears, instead of thinking of all the trauma drama that's happening in the world, it's happening, it's always happening. It's been happening for centuries. It's been happening for millennia, and it will probably continue to happen for centuries and millennia. Let go. So instead of thinking of that, contemplate the infinite wisdom. Look up, lift up. Contemplate the infinite wisdom, the infinite love, in the infinite power that is the divine, that is the source of all life. Reconnect back to that source. Reconnect back to that wholeness that you are. And allow that then to express through and as you. If I'm focusing on stuff, that's what my attention call is manifesting more of in my life. And I manifest more of that resistance and fighting and all that stuff. If I'm focusing on the divine and on love, I start to be a place where love and where peace can happen. As Rumi says, we are drops being wooed by the ocean. Listen, listen to that wooing, listen to that call, listen to that spirit that says, look to me instead of all the conditions. Hear it and surrender your smallness for your greatness. Surrender your smallness for your greatness. I want to close with a quote from Jack Kornfeld from his book, um, A Path with Heart. And he says, even the most exalted states and the most exceptional spiritual accomplishments are unimportant if we cannot be happy in the most basic and ordinary ways. If we cannot touch one another and the life we have been given with our hearts. When we step out of the battles, we see anew, as the Tao Te Ching says, with eyes unclouded by longing. I invite you this week, this month, this year, this particular lifetime that you're playing in, to see afresh, to see with eyes unclouded by loving, unclouded by judgments, unclouded. And so we have a, just a nice, simple affirmation today. I invite you to share it with me. I surrender my smallness for my greatness. One more time. I surrender my smallness for my greatness. And so it is. Thank you. So let's do a closing prayer. Let's take this all into prayer. Mm. And I look up to that infinite presence, that infinite source. And remember that that is, in truth, all there is. There's this infinite oneness, this infinite beingness. This infinite life. Everywhere expressing, every way expressing, is all that there is. And because it is all there is, each of us is, must, can only be, has to be included within this one in our entirety. 
everything, our light, our shadow, our ordinariness, our specialness, all of it is included within this one. And so I speak my words that we remember that this week. We remember to turn and look to that source, to that power within us that is greater than all the stuff happening, whether it's in our own personal lives or out in the world. There's always stuff, but there is something greater. And so we turn to that and allow that to move. We turn and surrender our stuff to that infinite wisdom, that infinite heart, that infinite love that knows more than we do to that greater consciousness. We stop being blind men, seeing just one little aspect of it, and we see the wholeness of it, and we allow ourselves to be supported by that wholeness of the one. And so in gratitude, knowing that this is so, I release this word into a law that moves it into form and expression and beingness through us, as us, right here, right now. It is done, it is already done, it is already so. And we just simply affirm that by saying, and so it is.